0: In a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory, one podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Alrighty, so I'm good afternoon to Katie. How are you?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: Great. Uh, so I'm gonna say good afternoon to you because here it's already 9 p.m. Uh, and the other before I was interviewing someone else in Israel, so I had to uh, say good afternoon to him. But for you, it's really afternoon. So yeah. thank you, yeah, thanks again, Katie, for taking the time. I know it's everyone's busy, especially as they work from home. Everyone work life balance kind of gets mixed together. So really appreciate it. Um, oh,
1: thank you. Happy to be
0: here. Awesome. So Katie is a new friend of mine on Twitter. So that's uh, nice to know that she's, you know, quickly we reached out, spoke, talked, happens. We have a lot of good um, mutual friends. My friend, well, a good good one is Sarah Hofstetter. Uh, nice. But but uh, Katie is the VP of Marketing at Public, which is, uh, we'll talk about that later in a little bit. Um, but before that, I have to ask the question because I always ask questions that are funny as opposed to just only serious ones. So Your name, Katy Perry, has to be get confused all the time. So really, what is it? What's the story?
1: (laughs) Well, it is the ultimate icebreaker. Um, (laughs) She she became very popular when I was in college. And so when I was interviewing for my first jobs, that was really awkward. Um, That was always the the kind of intro conversation. But I will say it's kind of it's nice. It's always there's something to talk about when I first meet someone. And I actually like. The other Katy Perry a lot. I think she's a really brilliant business person. She just dropped an album and had a baby in the same day. Like, she seems pretty awesome to me. So I think uh, it could be worse. A couple years ago, I was in an article in Marie Claire about people with famous names. And one of the other women in it was named Elizabeth Holmes, who was the Theranos CEO. So if I got to choose between that, I'm good with Katy Perry.
0: All right, cool. Do you ever have to give out autographs for people because they think it's... I'm just Oh, i'm just kidding
1: no sometimes sometimes if i check in for like a dinner reservation or something they're immediately disappointed though
0: <laughs> <quickly>. okay <laughs> that's good that's funny that's good that's good i like it uh i wish i could say i have the same problem but i don't yeah. oh. <laughs> um, right so i know that public is like this cool platform that really changed i like kind of said really i mean disrupted, I don't necessarily use that word, but it really has disrupted the idea and the concept of um, trading, right? You know, trading Mm -hmm. stocks, we're talking about stock market, trading on the stock market. Um, But you had this idea about what you called impact investing, but I guess that's what public is really using it, using that idea. And you mentioned something about uh, Adrian Greiner? Greiner, Grainier. Grenier. Grenier, excuse me. I think that's right. Okay. <laughs> Pardon me, but we both got it wrong. So we're, we will be fine. Yeah. Um, so you said something that you, uh, I'm a big fan of going through people's tw- Twitter feed and seeing how they do things or social feed, not only Twitter and seeing how they, you know, what their approach is on different things. And you, you, one of the things that popped out to me when I noticed who you are, you mentioned that you were really excited about his impact investing and his approach. What was so fun about it that you really liked it? And that will get us started kind of on the conversation sure. about public and all of it.
1: Yeah, so Public is a social investing app. So picture like a mobile brokerage where you can buy and sell stocks and ETFs um, on one side of it. And then the other piece is a social layer that sort of feels like Venmo meets business Twitter. And so when you invest in a company, you can talk about why, explain kind of your reasoning, share ideas with other people. So it's a great way to learn in a very um, organic way. Um, and so Adrian Grenier, who, if your listeners don't know, um, was very, is and was a very popular TV actor. He was in the HBO show Entourage, where he played a very stereotypical character. That's what most people know him for. But, um, what's cool about that is Adrian is actually like, there's a lot much more depth to him than the character on TV, obviously, as is the case with most, most, um, actors and actresses. So he is very, very passionate about climate change and sustainability, and he invests in companies and um, supports entrepreneurs that are kind of aligned with his values in that sense. So you use the term impact investing, and that's kind of a new thing that's happening in the the world of investing, where it means that people are putting their investment dollars towards companies and sectors that they think are um, good for the world in the long term, Um, And so it's it's sort of like the next level of voting with your wallet. So not all investors are quote unquote impact investors, but the trends do show that a lot of young people, especially coming in, they wanna invest in companies that they feel are aligned with their personal values. And of course they wanna invest in companies that they think are gonna grow over time because that's the point of investing. Um, But yeah, it's great. Adrian just joined our community on the app. Um, So there's a lot of like familiar faces you'll see in there in addition to your own friends. Um, so if, if you're on the app, you can check them out and kind of see what he's talking about and see how he feels about some of these companies in the areas he cares about.
0: Awesome. I love that. I like that approach because, you know, I actually, in, during my day job, I've actually worked for a nonprofit and we always use the word like, you know, making an impact. And, and we always say that we should be running our nonprofit like a business. And so businesses that make an impact and they make their time and take their time to approach it saying is not only are we looking to make money, but also that our money should be valuable and, and that our anyone who's giving money to us to invest in our company to grow it should also know that we're giving back in some way or that we're making a contribution a positive contribution to society in whether it means money to a nonprofit whether it means that we're helping the environment whether it means we're looking to develop the the industry that we're in uh, i like the i love the idea of impact investing in general i think it's a really uh you know positive approach but i like what you said and um about something that you, about Adrian, that I think is really interesting. You called him part of your community, but what I did notice is that in general, public doesn't call their community influencers. You know, there's people that you, you know, are part of their, mm-hmm. the larger, you know, what your, people who you're looking to help, obviously expo- expand the reach of public uh, company and public, uh, the whole platform. You don't call them influencers, you actually call them creators. And why would you, uh, so my question is, Adrian is obviously a little bit more on the top tier of that, but why do you, what was the approach or what was the concept about that uh, in terms of creators versus influencers?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, creators, influencers, it's for a lot of people, it's sort of like semantics. For us, we do use creators. And I think for me, at least the key difference is that um, the word influencer, when I hear that, I think of a personality whose main value is the size of their audience and using that person as a media channel to reach a large group of people and influence them. Um, The way we think about creators is more so content first. So for example, you're seeing now the emergence of all of these Substack writers. They're business analysts, they're covering unique kind of niche areas of different businesses or tech companies they're not huge, huge, huge um, names yet. They're growing their audiences, but their content is incredible and it's unique and they have really, really valuable perspectives that are well-researched and thoughtful. And so that's sort of how we think about it at Public. Yes, we have, you know, there's, there's famous people in the community like Adrian, there's also just really great creators. And so that's how we really think about it because the educational value of the social layer in public is really dependent on having great content. For us, great content means um, diverse, um, diverse perspectives. So people coming at these topics from different angles, not just talking about you know, analyzing stocks. There's a lot of people in there that do that but other people are looking at category trends or consumer behavior coming in from a marketing or branding standpoint. And so all of that content is kind of the, the core to the educational piece. And that's why for us, it's important that when people come in, just like Adrian, yes, he's famous, but he has really actual valuable commentary and thoughts that are adding value to the community. And that's why it's a creator first mindset for us
0: it also shifts i think i mean i like that i love that answer because i think it also first of all it empowers the let's say the less famous person to say is you're you're valuable and it gives you your input is important to us in terms of the overall success of what we're trying to do which is not only educate people and encourage people to use our platform but more importantly is to that people's insights because i may have insight which i do on stocks in general but it might not be, you know, I might not be at the top tier of my, you know, and in looking at the bigger scheme of, of, of investors, I'm not that person. But I have insights that might be different, or an approach that might be different, or strategies that might be different. And you're now saying is, I'm giving you, I'm putting you a little bit up, I'm pushing you up on the pedestal, pedestal a little bit, which is good. And saying is, you're creative, you can create your, your value is important. I mean, your opinion is important. Excuse me.
1: Yeah. I love. And that. building on that, I mean, what's what I think is amazing in the app is that kind of like everyone can have a voice and have confidence in their opinions. I mean, we all come from different areas of expertise. Um, I always give this anecdote of like, there's amazing college students in the app. And um, at one point I had invested in Chegg, which is a a online kind of learning collaboration tool that a lot of students use. And I posted about that investment and a lot of college students chimed in and they had firsthand experience with this product that, you would not get anywhere else right and so they're just starting out on their investing journey but here's a topic where they have really valuable insights that actually helped me learn more um and so it is really kind of thinking about in um the the content in in the sense of people coming from different angles that you might not think of when you think about you know researching investments
0: you know as an investor myself not I don't, I'm not on public yet, but I do as an investor myself. One of the things I always say is, you know, is this a platform? Is this a product or a company that I would see myself using or could see myself using, or is it part of the, something that I may be using? And a lot of times, you know, when you, you look at it that way from the perspective, you know, I have, I own shares in companies both here in Israel and in America. And a lot of the time it ends up being is that we buy, I buy shares in companies that are things that I use on a day to day. So I can say is this was good, this was bad. I like them, I don't like them. As opposed to you know, when you do research about a company that is very not what you're familiar with, it's harder to say is, well, maybe I don't understand. Why should, why should I? And then when you hear from, like you said, the college student who's used the platform and you can say is, oh, this college student, someone who has no inner workings or any information about it other than his own or their own experience with the platform, you, you get inspired to say, well, okay, if they can use it, and they're using it positively, that means there's a, some sort of value to it, and not just another, you know, business, which I think is great. Yeah, I love exactly.
1: That. And it's all about learning more, discovering new ideas, less about following other people. You know, I didn't do anything based on what they said about Chegg, nobody did anything really, because I said, it. it's just about getting these, getting these like inner thoughts when we think about these decisions out into the open, so we can all kind of benefit from each other's uh, thought process.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love that. I love the idea. So, you know, this kind of dovetails well, really well to the overall approach to what public really does, which is to kind of change the mindset of and the culture of investing in general, because we all know what investing, you know, I have my own picture yeah. of what an investor should look like. And I know you do. <laughs> but what is what have you learned about your audience and their strategies that may be different that a lot of I mean, There's always competition out there. So you've learned some things about your competition. And I've asked you questions offline about other competitions that are, might be less revel- relevant, but what, yeah. is, what is about that you've kind of changed That what has you learned about your audience that's different uh, in terms of how public plays, what role p- public plays in there?
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously a lot of conversations on democratizing the stock market and the role of technology there. Um, amazing things have happened that have allowed people who historically have not had access Um, have given them that access. And so one of those big developments is fractional shares. So the ability to say, I have $5 I want to invest and be able to buy $5 worth of a share of a company that might be much more expensive. So I always use the Amazon example because it's, I don't know what it is today. The market's a little down, maybe say three grand. Um, In the past, you had to have three grand in your bank account disposable, just cash, just to invest. And so that kept a lot of people out. um, And that really... When you're when you're locked out obviously there's the obvious um, uh, downside of you're not able to actually uh, potentially get the upside of that stock but also you don't get that opportunity to have a hands-on learning experience because you're not in it. so fractional means if you if you have hundred dollars you can build a small portfolio as you're learning um, and you know a lot of advisors will say I'm not an advisor a lot of coaches and advisors say invest only what you can lose and so it allows you to kind of start small and that's great. At Public, we think that's a really important piece of making the stock market more accessible to more people. But we also think there's another really important piece, which is sort of this psychological barrier to entry that people have, a lack of confidence, a lack of financial literacy. There's terms they don't understand. They feel like they can't enter this world because they never learned when they were young. It feels inaccessible. They might turn on CNBC and see a million crazy letters and numbers flying across the screen and just immediately say like, it's not for me. Um, And so one of the really interesting insights and things we hear from people time and time again in the community is people saying things like, I never knew I could do this. Um, I have more confidence in my own opinions. Um, People kind of, just like you said, um, in using your own personal experience and expertise to apply that to your investing strategy like not giving advice or telling anyone what to do but you know I think there's a famous Warren Buffett quote invest in what you know and so people sometimes don't realize that you you can kind of apply the things you care about and the things you have confidence in to the way you make decisions and a lot of people will say that the app kind of shows them that because they can see other people sharing their thoughts um, and they can start those conversations and feel comfortable in an environment that's very inclusive and welcoming and supportive and that you know nobody nobody likes to feel dumb and i think we've done a great job of creating an environment where it's great to ask questions it's great to admit you don't know everything let's learn together um and so those are the kinds of things i just love hearing from our community because that's really what we're all about
0: i love i love that answer because it also does one thing that it doesn't what you mentioned it but it kind of tangentially also is that a lot of the times people say, "Oh, I wish I, had, you know, with five thousand dollars that I could spend." You know, you're missing that that full moment where, "Oh, I wish I knew that Amazon was going to do so well or whatever yeah. it is." And now you're saying, "Well, you know what? For five bucks, you may not be able to get the same, you know, benefit or profit that, uh, you know, someone who has a heavy investor. But at least I can enjoy some of the benefit in some way watching a stock like, you know, whatever go up. Uh-huh. And you know, you're not going to get the profits obviously of that of real of, of real shares, but you'll get something and you'll enjoy it because otherwise you know the New York lotta used to say you got to be in it to win it and you're not in it because <laughs> right right so they used to say that um so you, you yeah. when, when you're not in it because you either you don't understand or lack of education which is a big problem that's a bigger conversation yeah. right because no one under, no one educates anyone on the fine on the stock market unfortunately um on a, on a scale at least and so if you don't have that then of course then then the, then the only people that are gonna the only thing that information you have is either like you said CNBC which confuses a lot of people or Mm -hmm. you someone personally says okay I'll teach you a little bit about it or the the, most of the time it's that people are like oh yeah I have a 401k or I have some sort of you know set it up already and I don't know what to do with it and that's that's a problem so yeah I like the idea that it's changing that culture because I think also the younger generation not that I'm so old but younger Mm -hmm. than me um, people really want to know they want to be part of it they want to understand it and they want to kind of take it down from like, just like any of the industries in general, not just this industry, that kind of making it more accessible because up until now it was very like archaic and old school, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So what is, what, what is the technology or what have you noticed about technology that has kind of changed how people, um, I guess the customer experience in financial services, you know, we're now all mobile right? We're moving away from mobile technology. It allowed you, public, not just you, but public to be much more, you know, accessible. The idea is to be accessible, but now you have this idea of technology. And what is that, how has that changed the customer experience? Because I've loved, I've seen the platform and I've seen the app, but what what is it, how is it that kind of, what was the approach on that? I guess that would be the question.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, consumer behavior is never stagnant. This goes for all industries, but Financial services, I feel like, has probably been a little slower than others. And I think part of that is because we're talking about serious stuff, it's money. Um, So even in the transition from going desktop to mobile, that's one of those things that just now, I think, is getting normalized, managing money on a phone um, versus maybe checking email on a phone is a little, little easier for people to grasp. But I think we've gotten to a point where the phone is really the predominant kind of technology that people use and people have started to kind of use that um, more openly. Um, so the way, the way we think about just our product in the app is um, we, we have a beautiful product that's super intuitive and super friendly. Um, so meaning things like when we talk about what um, something is in the app, we use very plain terms. Um, we have a principle that we, we write in the app, like somebody would talk, like your friend who knows how to invest, but they're your friend and you're sitting at coffee and they're explaining it to you. Um, we also kind of have a bunch of features that are designed to kind of guide novice investors, um, in a ver- so, so that when they are just starting their journey, there's an environment that has some guardrails. Um, so for example, on public, um, you can't day trade actually, it's mostly long-term investors. We also have these things called safety labels that we looked at what the SEC said might make for a potentially risky stock or ETF. And if there's securities on the app that fall in that category, there's actually a little label on it. And when you go to invest, you have to swipe and confirm that you have the context because we wouldn't want a new investor to read something on a message board and go do something because it's very intuitive and easy and have a potentially bad first investing experience just because they didn't have the context. So it's really important for us that as yes, we want this app to be very intuitive and friendly and feel familiar to people. And that's what they always say. They're like, this feels really familiar to me, even though I've never used a brokerage product. On the other side of that, we really believe strongly that we have a responsibility in the product to build those guardrails and make sure that the the friendliness is balanced out with, you know, responsible decisions that we're making in the product to make sure people have the best experience.
0: So uh, I like that a lot because, you know, a lot of times, you know, what you're saying about the financial side, you know, my experience with the financial platforms has been, like you said, you have these guardrails, but you're changing the actual, you're actually changing the vocabulary of all the financial things that people are from the financial lexicon, really, because when I invest in a, let's call it a um, risky stock, if you will, you know, they have like this waiver and, may, you know, there's a lot of fancy words and things like that, but all of a sudden you're changing it to something that's familiar. And I like that idea, approach where you're just saying is, you know what, we need to know that where our customers are, our potential customers even are at a place where they have no, you know, they're starting from, let's call it, most of them I would imagine are starting from zero experience with financial platforms or very little, let's put it not in zero only. Am I right?
1: We are 90 for 90% novice investors, oh, so wow, beginner okay. to some degree. So, right. you know, maybe their first experience or maybe they just, you know, a couple of years under their belt, but yeah, yeah. a lot of new investors.
0: That's, so that, that all of a sudden you have to re-educate, you're A, educating them, and B, you're looking at it from what can we teach them without having them to feel like they're, it's like a whole new, you know, ex, you know schooling, because well, that's what really what it is, which is really important. You did mention something about core company principles which was one of them is that you have to really simplify it and obviously make it mobile friendly and make it, sim- you know, use and attractive and things like that. You mentioned one of them that they, there are at one point in one of your uh, tweets, you said that one of your uh, principles is that everything matters. So first of all, I, I understand what the words mean, but what does it mean? And what are the other core principles that you're kind of working with at public that really kind of give uh, the approach that's I'm assuming consumer, you know, customer first.
1: Yeah, um, well, quick quick clarification on the point you just made before. I just want to make sure. Um, so public, since we're a broker-dealer, we don't give direct education or advice. So the oh, example... No. I,
0: is, I, I, I'm sorry. No, uh, no, no, no,
1: it's fine. I just want to clarify. The examples I gave were more so, um, it's it's all about context. So here's the term, and then we'll explain what it was and give the context. But that aside, the the principles, Um, Honestly, one of the things I love most about when I started at Public is we were much smaller back then, but the leadership team and the founders really believed in setting some um, principles in place from day one that would help guide the company towards the North Star and towards the mission we were going to. And the importance of these is that as we're making decisions really quickly, understanding at a high level the general ways of working, the, the behavior of our company and what we stand for it helps make those decisions much more seamless um, because we're all kind of operating in a similar mindset. Um, And so I think there's about, there's nine of them. Um, And a bunch of us at the company collaborated on them. It was a, it was a group effort, um, but they really do guide all the teams, all the people at the company across everything. So the everything matters one is the first, the first principle we have. And that just means that everything we do as a company matters is an and is impactful. Could be big things, could be tiny things, um, but it all matters. And I think that the purpose of this is to call out that sometimes I think you could forget about how small things can make a big impact. Um, and so we apply that to marketing in the sense that, yes, we're gonna do big, beautiful microsites and campaigns and really amazing partnerships but also our brand is reflected in, you know, the way we treat candidates, the way we onboard employees, the way we, how, how good of a partner we are to the people we work with and all of the little things, um, how how our company manifests itself in the product itself. So all of that matters. Um, so from a marketing sense and what I spoke about at that last event was just that, that thread has to pull through and everyone at the company across every team is part of that brand building. Love, um, that. Love that. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple of other ones that I love. Um, Another one is honesty kills BS. We're a very uh, candid, straightforward culture, but we pair that with respect um, and trust. And so we're all kind of on the same page that when we're giving kind of direct feedback, um, we're coming from a place of care, we're coming from a place of being helpful and we're respectful. Um, But I think that kind of cuts through some of the fluff sometimes when you're trying to get things done if everyone's in the same mindset. Um, having that culture of candor is really helpful and the other one I really like is um, what could go right and so um, operating with an optimist first mindset thinking about you know not just starting with here are all the challenges but like okay if we could figure this out what what could go right about this Um, and always anticipating what could go wrong that's important part of the step but kind of that optimist mindset and kind of shooting for shooting for the stars in the way we think, because that's really how big changes happen.
0: I, lo- I love that. I love those three principles. I'm, I mean, that's so like, it's so inspiring to look at the company that's saying, this is where we're going with, you know, everything. And you, like you said, everything matters is a, is a principle that goes across the whole company from the guy who's working in the, you know, the IT team to the person who's doing marketing or whatever it is. And it really, and every person's job and role and position has some sort of in, you know is important and that your everything as a whole is important which is great so wow. you you mentioned I love that i think it's, it's such a nice so inspiring to hear when companies have you know good vision and good uh, goals because sometimes they don't necessarily match up um so you recently mentioned a conversation uh, i saw a conversation with someone who's uh you know main person at twitter adam adam ilinich uh, who's uh, the global community manager and you mentioned some things that you learned from him and yeah. you know, you had a conversation with him and, you know, from what I understand, you're a good friend with him or friendly with him. What were some of the principles that you learned that you kind of applied to at, uh, at public? And by the way, for the, just for the record, I didn't, at one moment, I don't, no company, no trading company, I don't think ever offers advice that's actually direct sales advice for a specific stock. So I, if I did, if that was unclear, I
1: no, it. no. <laughs> I just I want to make sure our compliance officer. No, no, no,
0: no, no, no. I got it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got um, it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So Adam actually, Adam and I met on Twitter, and he is such a great guy. I, um, I actually met him IRL a few weeks ago, um, and we met up. And honestly, like I, that's why sometimes social media is a dark place, but sometimes it's amazing. And. This year has been really hard to make new friends and meet people, and I'm always grateful when I can connect with someone like you or Adam and just kind of like have a connection because it's really hard this year. So I um, was really grateful to kind of meet Adam, and um, I do this other other show with Social Media Week, and so I had him on um, to talk about community building. He is the global community manager for Twitter marketing, and so he's really at the epicenter of marketing Twitter in that community. And so I just knew he was going to have a lot of amazing insights, which he did, Um, because in his role, he has kind of purview across all these amazing campaigns and sub communities. Three things stuck out from what he told me. Um, One was um, kind of when building a community, like as the brand, start a conversation and invite people in. Um, kind of like, you know, social 101, but a lot of people still aren't doing it where they're just kind of trying to broadcast at people instead of creating an actual conversation where people can feel empowered to, to speak and, and participate. Uh, the second one he said was take a stand. And so um, as a brand, don't be afraid to kind of lean into what you believe in and what kind of your values are and, and use that in your community, because sometimes your customer's values or the things they care about will align with you. And that's a great way to form connection. That's a little, probably a little bit more of a hairier topic. Uh, It could be its own thing. Um, But um, if you are a brand with kind of, that kind of social mission baked in, then that can come across in your community. And the last thing you mentioned, which I love was give back. And one of the easiest ways brands can do this is by like elevating people in the community. Brands have a lot of influence and power. I told Adam on on the show like I got retweeted by Sweet Green, which is my favorite salad company, um, <laughs> the other day, and like I was just like made my afternoon so stupid, but um, it's, it's
0: not stupid. It, you just, it's <laughs> the- <laughs>
1: I was pumped. Shout out to Sweet Green, <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's just an easy th- way to do that, and we we actually do that in public. Our community lead will actually. Um, she's always elevating people, tagging them into conversation. She'll do little Q&A features in the app with them, um, the spotlight, and and people really appreciate that because sometimes you forget when you're a brand, you have influence and power. And if you can share the spotlight with people, it goes a long way. So that was Adam's super insightful. Definitely go follow him. Um, But yeah, it was a great conversation we had.
0: I I love it. I just got to know him a little bit recently. And, uh, you know, he really, first of all, his position is obviously a position of real, you know, opportunity for him to really, you know, change the conversation and take yeah. those three principles on a much bigger scale than just, you know, companies or brands that, you know, he represents the brand that is social platforms. So that's yeah. really important. And it really gives a chance to, you know, for him to take that position is really, uh, and, and also to offer insight is also a way to, for us to learn a lot more because, because he's giving the guiding principles that, you know, Twitter itself is based on, which I think is really important. Uh, from what I've seen, he's really teaching a lot and he's really sharing a lot, which is great. Yeah. So, my last question before I get to actually two questions more, um, two more questions, pardon me. Uh, so, he, you know, Public has really, it's just, it's a company that was it's pretty recent, I meaning it's not how old. Yeah,
1: is we, we launched out of beta last September, so a little over a year old in our current
0: form. Right. And so, it's been a year, let's just say, plus minus. What is the you know, everyone's talking about everyone's working from home, what is the has the pandemic improved or enhanced the way people are using public or the amount of users on public?
1: Yeah, um, well, really interesting. I think just overall this year, what I've personally seen is that obviously it's just devastated some industries, which is just awful, um, I think hospitality, travel, and then there's this, a smaller group of industries that just you know, by, by nature what's happening have had tailwinds. So if you think about at-home fitness, you we were just talking about Peloton, Zoom, uh, workplace collaboration tools, um, e-commerce, for those kinds of companies, uh, the pandemic has kind of accelerated trends that were already happening and just kind of moved them faster. And I think retail investing is one of those. So we, ex- in March, April, um, the market took a dive at the beginning of all this. Um, and at that moment- That's when I a, started
0: buying.
1: <laughs> uh, see, there you go. There was a surge of people like you and a lot of the new people too who are kind of waiting on the sidelines. Um, coming into the market because they understood um that potentially if you believe in if you believe in some of these companies a lot of the blue chip companies that kind of were down a little bit if you believe in them in the long term um as an investor that might have been a buying opportunity for you and so we saw a lot of people doing that and we grew a lot during that time frame i think we grew like 70 80 percent wow. um, what's also interesting is that we saw engagement in the app skyrocket so time on the Time on the app was two X. I think there was a 70% increase in just engagement comments, people connecting and what we really were at the crossroads of was new interest in the stock market and business trends overall and social because everyone was at home. People are looking for ways to connect. People are looking for ways to better themselves. A lot of people taking courses, trying to use their free time to like improve in various areas. Um, and so we really kind of sat at that nexus, and a lot of people saw Public as a as a product that kind of was meeting their needs. Um, so we've we've definitely you know not slowed down during all of this. Um, we're growing, you know, I think it's 160% quarter over qu- quarter. Um, and I think a lot of it is people people, especially new people to the stock market, they'll tell us like they they understand they want to get started. They don't necessarily want to be in an experience alone with their charts and their numbers, it can be really daunting. Um, and they also want kind of a more collaborative experience where they can learn and share ideas in a fun way that's still educational and also, like I said, a responsible environment. Um, so, very fortunate to be at Public this year. and you know, aware that a lot of companies, industries and individuals have had a tough year. So it's, it's hard. It's sometimes it's challenging you know, your podcast about empathy, the, the empath in me, like it's hard to, I'm very happy and like so proud to work at public, but I always, you know, I'm in, I'm a, I'm in the world. I see what's going on. And so um, I'm just very grateful, I guess.
0: Yeah, We're all, anyone who's employed is always grateful. And we always look back and say, you know what? Even though my you know day to day or my week might have been not the best, you look back and you're like, well, you know, thank, thankfully I have a, I'm, I'm employed, thankfully I'm healthy, you know, and if you take those yeah. steps back, you're like, you know what, things are not as bad as it could be. Uh, so we yeah. appreciate that. So speaking yeah. of empathy, and that's my always my last question, as I always like to ask, unless it integrates in some other question, but, and we've kind of danced around the topic, but, so you've you know you've mentioned the fact that everything matters. And you mentioned that your core principles are really kind of optimistic in terms of the company, the softer skills, which are, and I was going to ask the question, because you mentioned it about how the numbers were up during, as the pandemic was, you know, kind of getting deeper into the pandemic. Did, once you notice people's uh, consumer behavior, did you start saying as well, now that we know people have more time on their hand, they're looking to learn more. Can we change the way the app or the way the product is in order to make sure that we're getting a optimizing it, but b to understand the consumer better so that we were improving our product? So like are you using empathy in, in that context as opposed yeah. to just saying you know how are you integrating it that in, back into the companies really
1: yeah so when when that was all happening when we saw kind of people really taking to the social features, especially not just signing up and investing but like participating. Um, our product team actually fast-tracked a new feature, which was uh, like a DM chat function. Um, and so they, I mean, our product team, by the way, is like amazing. Um, they design beautiful products. They ship things so fast. I can literally not keep up. No, um,
0: they're from from Denmark. People in Denmark have like this thing about, about design. I just, every time I go oh, to- Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, it's just, yeah. And we have a great product team in New York too. And oh, they are- okay. The, both places they're amazing um what they do is just incredible i'm always impressed um but yeah they fast-tracked that feature and got it out i think it was in may maybe april may and um the chat groups have really taken on a life of their own it's you know you could dm one person and just kind of go back and forth my cousin and i always talked about investing together on on text but we were always screenshotting our charts which is annoying and so what we built in the in the app was when you DM someone and you tag a stock, you can actually populate a dynamic chart, select the time frame, It'll go right into the chat.
0: Um, I love that. That's awesome. And with
1: the chat groups, they are amazing because you can kind of build these sub communities. So I'm in a chat group that's called women in money. There's a lot of female investors in the app in there. We just started one yesterday for people who have invested in Crocs, which are the, the foam shoes i guess yes. this is the best way to describe it but crocs i don't know if you saw the stock but crocs is having a moment i personally i don't know enough to invest significantly in crocs it's just kind of funny to me i just found out on public that they were a public company i had no idea but yeah. we started this chat group called croc nation and it's literally like a highlight of my day to go in there because the conversations are fun but they're also we're talking about like the role of influencers and how that materially could impact a brand and what other brands are doing this so I'm in a bunch of those different groups, and it's just another way to connect. And honestly, there's people in public where I'm like, I want to meet these people in real life. Like, I love them. They're amazing. Um, and so that's an example of just kind of saw what was happening and had the talent on the team and people, you know, they work really hard um, to get it done and, and kind of respond to what we were seeing uh, from our members in the community.
0: Love it. Uh, I'm. I'm. I only have one pair of Crocs. i I still haven't figured out what their what their role is in life, but we'll figure that. So except for going to the beach, you, almost, the
1: orange, you got the orange ones. Yeah,
0: right? I, I have the orange ones because those were the only ones that were on sale at the time, and I was just like, whatever, I'll take them. And I leave. <laughs> I only wear them around the house and when I go to the beach. That's the only times. Did you get but, the
1: gibbets, the little things? No, that, I don't.
0: I don't have those. Just, you got to
1: get the gibbets. It's all right. about the gibbets.
0: All right. Well, I. I think my 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 swag or my came to fame is socks and t-shirts from different companies. So that's my thing. I'm not sure how, I'm not sure I'm going to do with gibbets, but whatever, we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, you know, I love that conversation about the, you know, taking it and really integrating it back into the community. I'm assuming that the, conver- the idea of public is to take these, create these communities, which is really amazing around, whether it's women, whether it's, you know, a specific stock and whatever it is. And your role is obviously not to manage each one of these communities. You have community managers who are doing that. Is there something where you mentioned actually where you're saying is, wait a minute, we have these communities and you want to meet these people in person. Is, it, is, is there a vision at some point to say, is, you know what, maybe public should be creating some sort of events or some sort of like yeah. experiences where we can take, take this one step forward and then get people even deeper into the experience?
1: Yeah, we do have, um, we do public talk series, which are are less more network, less networking and more will bring in kind of interesting people and experts. But that's one thing we're doing. I think um, we are thinking about, you know, before all this happened, we we had lots of plans and dreams to do meetups. Um, We were talking about, do we do like a public tab and open a bar one night and one night a month? our members can come and we bring the conversations we're having in the app into a real life environment. Obviously we can't do that now, but yes, when things are back to normal, we'll be doing that. And I know, you know, our community team's always thinking of new ways to connect people. Cause I will say like, I, there's so many, I've, I've become friends with so many people I've met in the app and I've never met them. I would love to meet them. Um, just a lot of really great, great, smart, nice people. Um, so I think that's going to be a big part of it. And, and it is a, Interesting challenge for brands that have like online communities. How do you extend that um, in well, real life? It's,
0: it's a challenge for everyone to know is yeah. how to create the, you know, we have in the nonprofit sector, you have these dinners or fundraisers and all of a sudden you have to turn them into virtual events, probably within, you know, you have a two week or three week timeline and you, all of a sudden you're like, well, what are we supposed to do? How do we make that engagement? How do we make that interaction meaningful? How do we make sure that the impact, the investment itself, going back to our first conversation is that, you know, how do you make that a, at least the same, if not more than a regular traditional nonprofit experience or whatever it is, which is always a challenge. Um, So my last question for you, uh, by the way, there's our virtual events that you could do, but it's probably not as, it's not the same when you're talking about these kind of things, but it's always something to learn about. You know, I'm not that I, you know, I'll I'll give my own, I'm not an investor in Adobe, but if you want to learn how to do a virtual event well, look at how they did it. Uh, yeah. you, should, you have to watch them. Uh, they were just like, I was blown out of the water, like just completely blown out of the water how they did it. Just completely in two yeah. weeks. They did it in a month. Um, wow. But just like um, unbelievable, like what they did, different tracks, the whole thing. But that's just a side point. My last question is more personal, but not like too personal is, you know, you and I share a common love for marathoning or running. You um, So what changed that you decided not to become to do, do more than 15 marathons, which is already impressive. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I just, okay. So I started when I was pretty young, I was always an athlete in high school and then I went to college and I didn't play sports I was looking for something. And I just, I remember one day I just, and I hated running when I played sports. Like I would actually, I remember running the mile. I played varsity soccer and I was like a good athlete and I would get sick. Every time. Um, and then, I don't know, one day I just started running. My, my dad ran marathons. My mom was a runner. And I just was like, I'll start running. And I just got really into it. Um, I got one of those Nike chips. Do you remember the Nike chips?
0: I actually have one somewhere running around my yeah. office. And, say, I, remember, food, and I remember,
1: yeah, and I just got into it. And it was kind of the metrics for me. And I was very driven by the metrics and performance at the beginning. And I started running marathons. And then towards the end, I started running with friends, which you and I were talking about earlier. And just the experience changed for me. It became so much better. Um, I wasn't kind of trying to beat my time or anything. I was traveling with my friends and having these amazing experiences. And so at the end of it, that's kind of how it was. Uh, And then I had, I think this was two years ago, I had run four of the five world majors. There's five marathon majors, um, the major kind of races. And I had one more in Tokyo. And I went with my group of friends I'd been running with, had like the most amazing trip there. Um, it was so cold. It was miserable. It was so hard. And I feel like just that, I was like, you know what? I've run so many miles. I've done so many marathons. I'm just going to end it with this last one with these amazing people. And I just, I just decided. I still run here and there, but like, I, I don't know if I would do. I think I'm done. I have nothing more to
0: prove. <laughs> How, 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 um, many, how many years is that was that cycle
1: uh 13 yeah, say i remember, that yeah, makes 13, sense There's,
0: they say that 10 years is the normal marathon cycle After yeah. normal runners not like crazy runners but 10 years is like the normal approximately 10 years is like the normal cycle where you get burnt out afterwards yeah I'm at, I'm at like the eight year mark so i'm already like at the maybe i'll do another one maybe one more maybe one or two we wanted to do tokyo this year because it was our 40th birthday so we uh, we to do it but of course we couldn't do that um yeah and then we wanted to do Amsterdam which was supposed to be this week because uh, our my friend is was born in Amsterdam so he's like I want to do it so we're, we're just like we're all training just for fun but anyway um awesome so that's cool so first of all thank you Katie for all your time and I really yeah. it. I, lo- I really love this insight about all these different components about impact investing in general because I'm a, a big fan of it And I also love the idea of the the community and really taking back and listening to what they're doing and improving the product in general. Uh, And I also think that, you know, what you said, which is a core principle, but also I think is something that we could probably all learn about is that everything matters and really does like that really, uh, you know, something that we should be thinking about a little bit more in terms of just as a product, but also as a company, as people, but also. So yeah, that was uh, really valuable. So thank you so much. And, you know, thank you for teaching me about how how to use empathy in a larger scale in a company, not only is just a, you know, just only, you know, what I always say is empathy could be, some people view it as like a soft skill and whatever. And then some people view it as something that's like a guiding principle. It seems like you guys are doing it that way, which
1: is great. Yeah. I think empathy is a competitive advantage for companies and people. I really believe that. So I'm, thank you for having like building a platform for that and for all you're doing on that front. Cause I think it's really important.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Thanks.
0: Take care. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.